Not you, Tyler. You're good. Boys and girls, what day is today? Palm Sunday. You know what that means? Do it? We get to talk to leaves. We get to talk to leaves? Why not? You know how I like to celebrate Palm Sunday? High fives. Here we go. High fives. High f- really, guys? You want to leave me up here? There we go. Everybody give me high five. Then you can go with Mr. Ben. It's the price of admission today. F- oh, you have paint on your hands. Awesome. All right. High fives. Yes. Palm Sunday. Happy Palm Sunday. That's good enough. High five. High fives. High fives. I didn't? I'm sorry. There we go. All right. I'm not going to ask you again. And you gave me one anyway. Awesome. See you guys later. So it's Palm Sunday. You get it? Turn around and give somebody a high five if you get it. Say happy Palm Sunday. Palm. Sometimes you got to paint it out a little bit more black and white for everyone. That's okay. It is Palm Sunday. Today we're talking about the road back home. I love to travel. Does anyone else like to travel? Like to just kind of go and check out new places? I've gotten a chance. I've gone to a lot of states here in these United States. Uh, There's a few more I'm looking forward to going to at some point. Uh, I've gotten to leave the country a couple of times. Um, That was terrifying, Uh, but it's still kind of cool in certain regards. There's a lot of, I love traveling. Traveling's a lot of fun. You know what one of my favorite things about traveling is? Coming home. Somebody said it. Traveling's always great, isn't it? You know, you get to go somewhere new or go somewhere you've been to again, and it's always great. But man, in the back of your head, you're sitting there thinking, hmm, we got three more days. And sometimes it's like, oh, we only got three more days. But then the back of your head, at least some of you like me, like, three more days, you know, and then we get to go back home. I like, I like going back home, you know. I like my house. I like my bed. Like, I, I know there's certain plateaus you reach that reflects that you're getting older. Uh, one of those plateaus I reached a few years ago, I, I, if I travel, I have to take my pillow. There, that's somebody else's with me. You've got to have your pillow. There's little things that just kind of crumble right in. Mm, ain't going to work. So I like my pillow. I like my bed. I like my kitchen. I like my couch. Yeah. Somebody just said amen to that. That's what I'm talking about. Like my blanket, you know, we like, like coming home. We like traveling, but we like coming home. Today, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, I want to just look at a different side of it. And I'm not saying that this was on his mind, but, but for Jesus, Palm Sunday began the road back home. You know, even when you're traveling and you're on the road back home, even as you get closer to home, you just start, you just start feeling it. You know, it's like you feel better. It's like, man, but we're almost home. And then you got like a six year old boy, just hypothetically, and they're just saying like, how much further? How much further? How much further? How much further? And if you don't answer, they keep asking. If you do answer, what happens? You've been there before too. Y'all ride with me? Anyway, it's just, even as you get close, it just feels better. This morning, I want us to, as we look at Palm Sunday, I want us to consider the road back home. As we've been walking through the last few weeks of Jesus' life and seeing the things that have taken place as, as he's preparing for Holy Week, as we call it, as he's preparing to return to Jerusalem to know what's awaiting him there. I'd like for us to get a bigger picture of this. So this morning, we're going to be looking at the text of the triumphant entry. 
We're going to be looking at the text in Scripture that reflects and points to when Jesus, uh, it was Palm Sunday, when he triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. But this morning, we're not going to be looking at one specific passage of Scripture. So for those of you who are already like flipping your Bibles and like, I'm right here in Mark, we're good. I'm glad you're there. Uh, you're, a th- you're 25% correct in where we will be this morning. But what we've done is we've taken all four accounts in the Gospels of the triumphant entry, and we kind of did a mashup and put them all together. Uh, and we're just going to read this passage of Scripture that actually comes from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, and we're just going to kind of read it seamlessly and imagine, if you will, don't, don't worry about how it's all broken up, but just imagine the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, what took place beforehand and as he's coming in and kind of what takes place afterwards. So uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, feel free to hang out there. Uh, but if you want to just turn uh, your attention to the screens, we have it all up here kind of in order um, that we're just going to read this together. So uh, if you will turn your attention to the screen, uh, we will begin in Luke 19, and I'm not going to reference the passage in the chapter. We're just going to read the text in the order of events, okay? All right. Let's let God's word speak for itself. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. They took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had to be done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, 
went out to meet him. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look, the whole world has gone after him. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city. He wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Palm Sunday. This is kind of the order of events, kind of putting all the different passages of Scripture. Did we just kind of see this seamless story of Jesus coming into the city? It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. For the first time in Jesus' ministry, he was getting worshipped for what he deserved, the way he deserved. But even in the middle of people worshipping, there was still so many missing pieces. They were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna! That basically translates to, to save now or give the victory now. So as we, as we look back at this passage, I want us to kind of break down all the characters and all the things that took place in this text of seeing the beauty of this triumphal entry. As the people were coming in, they were shouting, save now, give the victory now. Some of them were Jews. A lot of them weren't Jews, but it were people that had been affected by Jesus' ministry. Think about the number of people that he had healed. Think about the times he had preached. Think about the 5,000 that were fed. That was just the men. The people that were benefactors of his ministry, the people that heard about these stories, man, they are celebrating. And because they, they had heard Jesus proclaim about his kingdom and his father's kingdom, for some of them, they were thinking, this is it. Here he comes. He's marching into Jerusalem. It's time now to overthrow this, this horrific Roman government and the new kingdom is being established. Save now. Give the victory now. Today is our day. They're very excited about this, but they just didn't get it. They were right in recognizing the king was coming into Jerusalem, but it wasn't, it wasn't exactly what they were expecting. You know, our expectations of God, our expectations for God's glory to be on display they always pale in comparison to the real thing, don't they? I mean, you think about it. What our expectations are to see God's glory on display is always much smaller than the real thing. Matter of fact, sometimes our expectations to see God's glory on display, and sometimes they look like defeat in our lives, don't they? I mean, you think about what was about to happen in Jesus' life, and you think about their expectations of what they thought they were about to witness in the 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 format of the glory of God. And by Friday afternoon, he was dead. Our expectations of the glory of God are always much smaller than the real thing. So church, 
First and foremost, let us be patient and fix our eyes on what God is doing and let him unfold as his glory is revealed in us to see the beauty of what he has in store. What he has in store for us, what he has in store for Westmead, what he has in store for his church. God's glory was never meant to meet our expectations. Do you all understand that? So when we focus and we, we pray for things or we, we, we hope for things or we desire things, understand this, when we pray, God, reveal your glory, God, show me what it is you would want me to see in this, then, then God's glory, his revelation in that is not designed to meet your expectations. So we need to get, get a little bit over ourselves and get past what we expect God to do in our situations and trust him. To see God's glory fully on display the way he meant it to be. The people were struggling with that. So we see the people that were shouting Hosanna. There's another element of this story that we see that kind of walks us through this. And you can't look past the donkey, right? I know the donkey's like this very small part of the story, but... It's kind of a big part of the story. Every, every time you think of the triumphal entry, you think of Jesus coming in, he's riding on a donkey, right? Just me? Okay. You think about the donkey, he, he played a part in this. Now think about this. So here you have Jesus, and what were the people proclaiming other than Hosanna? Other than save now, give the victory now. If you look back in, in, in the passage, uh, actually highlighted, in Matthew 21, they talk about Hosanna to the son of David. Remember that whole conversation that Jesus already had about being the son of David? He said, you know, David, David sleeps. David, David died. But, you know, this, this new thing that we have, it's not going to stay dead. You know, in, in uh, Luke 19, they say, blessed is the king who comes. Mark 11, blessed is the kingdom of our father David. This Jewish nation, it's, it's coming back. John 12, blessed is the king of Israel. Do you honestly think that when Jesus is walking in and there are people gathered shouting, blessed is the king, victory now, that the Romans didn't take note and be like, whoa, 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 what's going on? I mean, they had already been privy to Jesus. They had already heard about this ministry. They had heard about his followers. They had heard about uh, this revolution that he was supposedly going to start. That was like the Pharisees' version of it to try to rile up the Romans. So they were, they were probably on their guard. And when other people heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, if they heard about it, then who do you think for sure knew about it? The Romans, right? So you can imagine the Romans have probably beefed up the guard that day, said, hey guys, I don't know what's about to happen. If this Jesus does come into Jerusalem, we need to expect the unexpected, be prepared for the worst. Got it, we're ready. If the revolution begins now, we're going to respond in kind. And next thing they they look up and see this king riding in on a donkey. Doesn't really spell out military threat, if you know what I'm saying. Even in biblical times. I mean, if anything, if they were expecting a king to ride into the city with this herd of believers to try to do something, these disciples, they were expecting a war horse or some chariot or something, right? Not a donkey. Matter of fact, they probably kind of chuckled to themselves like, really, this is a king? All they could find was a donkey and bring him in here? (laughs) Some king he is. But I want you to look at the donkey because had they known, had they known, Had they spent time, had the Pharisees actually taught the word of God instead of taught their agenda, they would have seen this. The the prophet that they referenced in this passage in in context to the donkey was Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9, foreshadowing. Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 and 10, where the prophet writes, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. 
See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. He's the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace. They already established that. So when he comes riding in on a donkey and the Romans are just dismissing it as this guy's no threat, had they known the scripture, they would have said, this is it. This is the king. Which leads us to the next group of people that we're going to talk about in this story, which is the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they were the religious leaders that have already decided to turn their backs on Jesus. They had already set into motion the plot to arrest Jesus and to figure out a way to get him killed. We can put together a trial and just bring all these people to tell lies about him and that'll be enough to get him crucified. You know the governmental authorities are going to go for that. They were so consumed, we talked about it last week, so consumed with who they were as Pharisees that they wanted, they wanted power, they wanted authority, they wanted agenda, and Jesus posed a threat to them. Had they just stuck to the scriptures that they were tasked to teaching, they would have seen Jesus for who he was. But even then, they were blinded by their own agendas. Church, were the same way. When we get so consumed with pursuing what we want to happen and the agendas we have, and we just totally turn a blind eye to what God's word says. You ever been there? I have. Where nothing makes sense, it's not coming together the way I want it, and I realize, you know what, I've been so focused on what I want, I've ignored what God's word is telling me to do and be. These were the religious leaders. This was their job. This was their calling. And they ignored God's word because of their desires. You know, when, when we... When we stop trying to fit God into our box to make things happen the way we want them to happen and just let God be God, it changes our lives. Completely transforms. As a matter of fact, when we spend more time in God's word, whether than we do trying to map out our lives, it's going to be a lot easier to see Jesus when he shows up to do something in our lives. The word of God was written right there for him and they didn't even see him. They didn't even recognize him when he showed up. So church, may we not be found guilty of the same thing. That as believers in Christ, we are found diligent in God's word, trusting and knowing him so that when he shows up, we recognize him. When we hear his voice, we know what his voice sounds like. That when we see the evidence of God's glory on display, we recognize it instantly and understand that's a lot better than I could have come up with. You know why? He's better at it than we are. Absolutely. So we see the crowds. We see a donkey, we see the Romans, we see the Pharisees. Let's look at Jesus. You know, when I was a kid, every time we came to, to Palm Sunday and the Triumph of the as I got a little older and started understanding the bigger picture of what this was about, it was a part of me that really got discouraged. I don't know how you can get discouraged from the triumphant entry. That's kind of oxymoron, but I got discouraged because I just remember thinking like, so... Jesus walks or comes riding in on a donkey and all these people are Hosanna and uh, blessed is the name of the Lord and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and the king of Israel and there's all these great. And then like just a few days later, the whole entire city, all the masses, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. I remember coming to the Palm Sunday, I'm just like, it's just, it's just a bunch of liars, man. 
yeah, let's jump on the J train while it's hot and everybody's on board. But man, when the, when the public opinion sways, we're just going to start yelling, crucify him. Man, I used to get so bummed out about Palm Sunday. Man, I'm all up in the flesh. It doesn't make sense to me. How in a week's time can somebody turn their back on the Jesus they were just worshiping? And then I looked in the mirror. And then I started weighing some of the areas in my life that I'm not trusting God. That I'm not relying on his faithfulness. That I'm not submitting to the lordship in, his, in my life of him. I'm reminded of Hebrews 12. Remember we studied that a few while back when we talked about therefore? Just remember what it said in that passage in verse 2 and 3. It says, for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. For the joy set before him endured the cross. So when we look at Jesus, when we see Jesus coming into Jerusalem, And he was getting worshipped. There was just a lot of pieces missing. I'm almost home. I'm going to endure the cross. Because on the other side of the cross, I get to sit in my chair. I get to sit at the right hand of the Father. And not just this happens, but their debt is paid. My God is glorified. Their sins will be forgiven. Death will be defeated. Can you imagine? I was looking at it all wrong. The joy Jesus had riding into the city because he was almost home. This was the last stop on the tour, if you will. He fulfilled the old promise, the old covenant, the Old Testament. He was about to create a new testament he was about to create a new covenant everything had been proclaimed that needed to be proclaimed prior to his arrival the signs had been seen the messages had been delivered he was getting close to going home he was about to do something no man had ever done he was about to glorify god in a way that no man has ever been done before him and no man ever will be able to And that's lay his life down willingly, absorbing the fullness of the wrath of God so that you and I might be forgiven. This is the road back home. This is the last stop. And there was joy. Joy of the glory of God. You ready for home? You ready for home? This past week, Miss Betty Smith, one of our church members, passed on from this life and entered into the presence of God. And Julie was telling me, Julie, um, when, when Julie was up there, I believe it was on Monday, she was talking with Miss Betty. And Miss Betty's exact words to Julie were, oh, that come, Jesus would come take me home. Oh, what is he waiting for? I'm ready to be home with my Jesus. 
What a precious testimony that her faith became sight 24 hours later. Are you ready for home? More times than not, our road back home, our road to the presence of God is going to be paved with suffering. It is. But do you see the joy that's waiting for you? The joy that awaits the presence of our Heavenly Father. The glory of God on display in our lives. That's why it says in Matthew 16, Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up his cross, and follow me. There's going to be suffering involved. Yeah, I can imagine as Jesus was on the donkey, on the road to Jerusalem, coming in and hearing him praise, I'm sure there were thoughts of what was going to take place on the cross. I'm sure there was going to be thoughts of betrayal, denial, abandonment, forsaken. I'm sure there were thoughts of the weight of the sins of humanity. But for the joy set before him, he kept on going. It was the road back home, but he wasn't home yet. There are hardships. There is heaviness on our road. But is your joy in the Father of knowing that when we arrive there, it will have been far greater than worth it? Is our peace and our hope found in keeping our eyes on Christ or are we confused by the circumstances of our lives? May today, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, may we remember that we and who are in Christ have an amazing future that's worth the road back home. And let those who do not know Christ know that today your road back home can begin with the acceptance of a love you've never known. I would love to tell you more about that. I would love to tell you what the road back home is waiting for you at your destination. To know that the road that Jesus walked paved the road for our salvation. Will you bow your heads with me? As Jesus was preparing the ultimate form of worship by sacrificing his very life, I just ask you this morning, has the sacrifice of Christ made a difference in your life? I'm not asking if you're going to heaven. I'm not asking you if you've been baptized. I'm asking you, has the sacrifice of Jesus Christ made a difference in your life? On this day, do you proclaim Jesus as Savior? Do you proclaim him as Lord? Even the people got discouraged. There were one minute they're proclaiming him as king. And then the next minute when they got in Jerusalem, they were already referring to him as just a prophet from Nazareth. Who do you say he is? Because today, if he is your savior, then let us proclaim victory. Victory now. Salvation has come. But today, if your heart is troubled... Because you don't know Jesus as anything more than a good person or a teacher. Understand that his offer of salvation and love is for you. 
Understand there are people in this room. I'm going to be down here in a minute. I'd love to have a conversation with you about it. There are other people in this room who would love to talk with you about who Jesus really is. But even those who are in Christ, we, we struggle on our own roads of hardships and sufferings. And sometimes it can be overwhelming. Maybe today you just need to be encouraged that in your walk with Christ to know there's a destination in store for you. There's a joy waiting for you. And it's not meant that once we cross over from this life, but the joy we have of knowing that we have not been left or abandoned. But the presence of God is with us everywhere we go and everything we do. So don't be afraid, church. Don't be ashamed or discouraged or left wanting. The fullness of God is available to you. Maybe you just need to turn back to him. And ask him to put your feet back on the road, back home. God, I pray that today, wherever we are, wherever you find us today, Father, as we are gathered here, that you would make us aware of your presence. That you would make us aware of our standing. If we're in Christ, are we following you, God? Are we walking our own road? As you said, follow me. Are we following you down the road of life, even when it gets hard or have we given up because it's too hard? God, for the church, call us back to the road that leads home. God, for the person in this room, that they're not certain if they've given their life to you, Father, that their road is just a big circle. It just doesn't make sense, God, because they're chasing after what this world offers and it is fleeting, it is empty. Father, God, show them today, reveal to them your overwhelming goodness and love that you have. A desire for them to give their life to you so that they may know the love you have for them. That they may know that their sins are forgiven in Christ. And that a new life awaits, a new road awaits that's worth every step. God, whatever it is, wherever we are, Father, I know you will meet us. And God, give us the boldness and the confidence to respond in obedience to what you're calling us to do. God, in this time as we enter into a time of invitation, may we honestly deal with you and listen to you as you meet with us. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand.